everybody. Thursday Tea Time History Chat Live with me, Philippa. Welcome. I hope you've had a lovely week. Thank you if you are joining me live. I'm streaming on YouTube and on Instagram. And if you're watching on the catch up, either on Instagram or YouTube, or you might be listening on the podcast, then welcome to you and thank you for getting the catch up. But to you who are uh, joining me live, hi, I can see a few people coming in. With this time of the week again, where we have a little wander, a meander through some of the um, events which have happened in history, maybe some places I've been to, which I can talk to you about. And you can obviously ask me questions in the chat and um, on either Instagram or, or YouTube. I am doing my best to monitor both. And uh, so, yeah, throw me some questions as well, either um, usefully uh, about what I'm talking about, perhaps, but you can also throw in some others as well. Maybe you've seen something in the news or whatever you'd like me to talk about um, on YouTube. Hi, Janice, Lisa, Catherine, all right, Bird, and Coco. Hello, welcome. And I can see Lisa Jenner's here, uh, Morag. Um, sorry if, you, if you're here and I can't see your name now, but thank you for joining on Instagram as well. So everyone, I hope you have had a great week. Oh, Lisa already has jumped in with, I've bought Tracy Borman's new book today. Can't wait to start it. Morning, Jenna. Um, fabulous. Yes, Crown and Scepter. I spoke about that last week. And if you haven't already, please do check out my interview with Tracy Borman. She, uh, she spoke to me about the new book. Crown and Scepter takes us through the... Uh, monarchs we've had since the time of William the Conqueror up to the present day but she actually premises it as well with um, with what was England like before the Norman conquest how did we choose our kings etc before then so she does include that in the book but I spoke to her in my interview with her specifically about female rule and female power hi Meg hi Kat I can see you there as well and Orlando welcome from Rio um and we spoke about, yes, yeah, so a female power, Queen's regnant, regent, um, and, you know, how, how women um, were actually able to influence power quite well in their, you know, maybe not um, in the way that men could, but equally um, efficiently and, uh, and powerfully as well. Hello, Anandita. I um Anandita is a member on my YouTube channel and she joins us from India and I meant to say last night she joins us for History After Dark and I did see your comment come up. It was something like half past one in the morning where you were, so thank you so much for joining us last night. I'll come back to talking about History After Dark um, shortly. There's um, quite a bit I wanted to talk about today. I want to tell you about Tutbury Castle where I've been. Um, also... Um, uh, just a reminder about the competition I've got going to win a signed copy of one of Tracy Borman's books, her uh, book, The Private Lives of the Tudors. Then there's some history anniversaries we've got. I mean, today is actually the anniversary of the opening of the trial of Charles I. So where England actually put on trial their own king for treason. Um, Welcome, Michael. I can see you joining as well. Hi, Bill. Um, Meg, I will quickly answer that. Meg on Instagram is asking, what time and day is History After Dark? I always seem to miss it. History After Dark is 8.15 on a Wednesday night. 
sounds quite random time, but that's because because Catherine does a Pilates class beforehand. <laughs> um, so yes, History After Dark, eight fifteen p.m. every Wednesday. Uh, evening so that's obviously London time so please work out what time that is where you are but we have a permanent home on Instagram so we do it as a live show and it's on the history.after.dark profile so if you haven't already please come along and um, follow history.after.dark and then uh, you can you can find us there we do if we're a little bit ahead of ourselves or organised, whichever way you want to say, <laughs> uh, put reminders out and let you know what we're going to be talking about. I will come back to History After Dark's uh, <laughs> episode last night because I'm well proud of me and the girls uh, for what we did. Colleen, welcome. Good morning over there in California. Um, hi, Mel. I can see you joining as well. Hi, Gina. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'll talk to you about Tutbury. Uh, we'll give you a reminder about Tracy's uh, the competition um, to win Tracy's book. Uh, also, we have the Just for Fun question, which I set you last week. I will give the answer to that and give you this week's question as well. Uh, like I say, we'll talk about some of the anniversaries uh, or just things that have happened around about this time of year. So I've got the the opening day of the tri uh, trial of Charles I, which I thought we would mention. Um, but also, it's one I missed last week, actually, but I want to talk about it. Maybe not in huge amounts of detail, but I think it's interesting. And it's an Act of Parliament, uh, which was passed in 1404, which basically outlawed the practice of trying to create your own gold. So it's, it was a sort of an anti-alchemy law. Uh, and I think it's really interesting to look at because, um, you know, when people invoke the this is the law and you must follow the law. But, you know, let's look at some let's look at some laws that have come in um, and are clearly for the people who brought them in. And I will talk about the act of multipliers as quite an interesting and fun uh, way of demonstrating that. Um, and then I will tell you about the live events that we've been up to and the ones that are coming up and remind you where we can find you can find me and my colleagues uh, when we're, we're talking about history. I think I do five live events a week and I know um, my colleagues do more as well. So you've got Kat. I don't know if you're still with us, Kat. So Dr. Kat, who is has the amazing channel Reading the Past on YouTube. Um, her and me and Catherine Brooks, who is uh, not just the Tudor tracker, we are the History After Dark team. So we are the, the girls that bring you history in a... Hi, <laughs> Kat, you're still here. <laughs> we bring uh, history to you in a spicy, in the words of Kat, uh, way. Uh, it is not for young ears, it's not for the sensitive, but it is very funny. And um, we sometimes look into things that may just be a little bit over the mark, I don't know, a bit detailed in terms of <laughs> something. Uh, but yeah, it's always quite uh, quite an amusing look at history as well. So that's the History After Dark team. And of course, on a Friday, uh, I do two shows with Sarah Morris, Dr. Sarah Morris, who is the Tudor Travel Guide. And we do a visiting Tudor Britain room. There's myself, Sarah, and Deb Royal from Tudor Times. We are back tomorrow. Apologies to anyone who tried to 
uh, find us last week. We were supposed to be going live last week. It's four o'clock every Friday. Visit Tudor Britain Room on Instagram. But um, last minute sort of family emergencies and all sorts just derailed us. So we're back tomorrow, myself, Sarah and Deb. We will be on uh, Deb's profile, so that's Tudor.Times. And we are talking about the houses of Thomas Cromwell. Sarah will take the lead on that because she's wrote, written multiple blogs and has done quite a lot of research into the houses of Thomas Cromwell. So that will be tomorrow at uh, four o'clock on Tudor.Times profile on Instagram. Um, Janice is asking, how do you like on YouTube? So underneath the stream, I hope there's a thumbs up button. So you can... Um, if you're American, I've heard of other American YouTubers, I've said this before, and I smash the like button. Just just click it, just tap on it. It's fine for me. <laughs> Don't really need to smash anything. Uh, so, cool. Um, right, so that's, yeah, so tomorrow, so may as well carry on with tomorrow's uh, live event. So that's four o'clock uh, Instagram, visit Judah Britain. And then five o'clock, uh, the original crew, uh, of myself, Kat, Catherine and Sarah are on Clubhouse at five o'clock. Um, I don't know if we know what we're talking about yet, but that hasn't stopped us putting on a good show so far. So don't worry, just come along anyway. And if you're not on Clubhouse yet and um, you want to join, it's all free and open to use. Um, come along and follow me at Philippa B and um, you'll get, I think, notifications of, uh, of rooms I'm doing. So I hope you've got your cup of tea. I know some of you do a herbal tea because it's morning. Maybe a herbal tea because it's evening and um, anything in between. Thanks, Janice. She's given me a thumbs up. Anyone watching on YouTube, if you want to give me a thumbs up too, that would be fabulous. Catherine says it's a surprise room tomorrow. Indeed. And sometimes they are the best. Um, maybe we could talk about Charles I tomorrow. Oh, no, it's Tudor. It's the Tudor history room, isn't it, tomorrow? Charles is, is a little bit too far out of uh, out of that remit, but um, yeah, that might be a good one for History and Culture Club. PG Tips, Lisa, perfect. I think mine's Tetley. Um, so, yeah, so Catherine and myself were up at Tutbury Castle on, um, <laughs> on Tuesday, uh, and my journalist says, I literally did an account on Clubhouse just for your rooms. Well, we are honoured thank you so much i hope you're enjoying them actually i should mention on clubhouse they have started <laughs> catherine's got a kit cat <laughs> well done i would eat but it doesn't help in the talking um on uh hello welcome on uh clubhouse you can have playbacks now so we do if we remember toggle our rooms to record so you can get the playback so if you do miss the live on clubhouse you can get it again. Oh, fabulous. Uh, Meg is on coffee. Awesome. It is only 8am over there in Virginia. I'm also on coffee at 8am, but now by one o'clock I'm moving to tea just in case, you know, it affects your sleep like sometimes, like they say it does. And uh, sleep's good. Sleep's good. Not sleeping is not good. So yeah, good. I love a coffee and it's got to be a proper coffee. Anybody else now? Anyone else a bit of a coffee? ponce a coffee what do you call it so if i go to someone else's house and they offer me a coffee i do have to ask if it's instant and i do have to decline if it is <laughs> does that make me really snobby 
I can't do it. I don't like it. Janice says, yay to replay on Clubhouse. Indeed. So, uh, so yeah, no excuses now. Clubhouse is there. Yeah, I'm a coffee ponds, Catherine. <laughs> Lunch for a mad journalist over there in Greece. I think he's still there trying to get out. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, Colleen agrees with me. Good. I know you would. So what are we going to talk about Tutbury? Okay, I've actually forgotten to bring with me to my desk the book about Tutbury. So everything I tell you from now on is off the top of my head. It may go well, it may not. Um, Jenna, my husband makes cold brew coffee. Why is that even a thing? Never instant, indeed. Um, Meg, I only like non-American instant, really, but I love strong coffee. Mm, Mel, love coffee. My favourite way to make it is to grind the beans first. I actually have a machine. It does it all. It's fabulous. Tastes best fresh. Yep. So it's gone from beans. Um, oh, <laughs> mad journalist. Brings it as effed it all up. No, getting proper coffee. Oh, no, I'm leaving. <laughs> We're not just talking specifically coffee. Okay, I get you. Um, oh, bummer. Well, <laughs> even if we have to come over and get you ourselves, we'll have to come and get you. Um, Tutbury. Right. Off the top of my head. Now, Tutbury Castle, I have spoken on this programme about Tutbury quite a lot because it is uh, the place where you can find the incredible Leslie Smith. She is the curator there and she has been since 2000. She took over the lease. Um, sorry, Jenna's still on coffee. Don't understand the appeal of iced coffee here in New England. No, in Italy, yes. I have had iced coffee in Rome and Florence when it was... Um, <laughs> when it was uh, boiling hot that actually worked um, there you go mad journalist Catherine's offering to marry you and then you can come over perfect <laughs> solution found um, <laughs> Colleen <laughs> excellent everyone's got their machines on the go fantastic um, so yes Tutbury Castle and I've, I've spoken to, uh, to you about Leslie I've spoken about the castle before and also I don't want to forget to mention because it's been a while since I have Leslie Smith has written a, uh, a historical fiction book called uh, Wolf uh, not Wolf yes the Wolf Moon now if you go to my Amazon shop um, which is amazon.co.uk forward slash shop forward slash British history you'll find a lot of my book recommendations that I've spoken about and I, I keep adding as I think oh I haven't added that one yet and I have added Leslie's book now Leslie is a medical historian specializing in the Tudor period and she has written this fiction book now if you're like me you struggle to find historical fiction that doesn't make your teeth itch because of the I don't even mind the odd inaccuracy. You know, I'm not, I'm not there with my red pen, but I, when it's sort of, some of them, when they're written and it's like, there's just a blatant disregard for any kind of accuracy. It just, just gets on my nerves. So anyway, I have begun a uh, ideas list um, section on my shop on Amazon, which has historical fiction in it. Anyway, Leslie's book is in there. It's called Wolf Moon. I am on the back because I reviewed it. So I have read it. I read it uh, before it was published and it is really 
interesting and well really good story for a start but everything in there that refers to medicine and uh, medical practices um i don't want to spoil the story for you but, but basically a lady gets poisoned potentially and it and it and it, and it so it covers what the doctor does and the herbs and everything that's involved in it and you know that's all accurate because it's Leslie who's done it so that's really really good um so you can go to my Amazon shop and get that um and and, and get the link to that book hi Sarah just seen Sarah's joined us Sarah Tudor Travel Guide um I've uh, mentioned we will be going live tomorrow struggling with her back at the moment I do hope it feels a little bit better today backs are annoying when they go um, and we and it's Sarah who knows all about Cromwell's houses and we have to uh, sorry and we have to we don't have to but I would encourage you to come and listen to her talk about them um, uh, Meg can I mention the Amazon shop again yes absolutely if you go to amazon.co.uk uh, forward slash shop shop forward slash British history and you should find me there or you can go to my bio on Instagram and there is a link that will take you directly there as well and I do get a commission on the books but it's a great way for you to support me the books don't cost you any more and I get a bit of commission so um, win-win situation um uh Amma the more I learn the more Philippa Gregory books irk me I know I'm glad I read them a long time ago, but I do love them. Maybe I need to stop fact-checking until I finish them. Yeah, I know what you mean. Hi, Sarah, still lying flat. Oh, gosh, I do hope it eases up soon. Um, imagine this. It wouldn't even be that bad if people did not take most of the mainstream historical fiction as word and use it as gospel. Indeed, I think that's probably what irks um, the rest of us the most about it. So, yes, yeah, so I've mentioned that while I'm thinking about it, that if you're looking for a historical fiction book, check out Leslie Smith's Wolf Moon and uh, and you can find a link to it directly from my Instagram bio. But yes, yeah, so the castle, I mean, actually where the castle is sited, it's above, way, way above the River Dove. It's in, um, it's near a place called Burton-on-Trent. I think it falls into Staffordshire, but it's the Staffordshire-Derbyshire border if it does. And... There's evidence that there were people there 10,000 years ago. The Romans seem to have had a settlement up there. So it's, it's a good strategic position. If you stand on the, um, in, the, in the outer bailey of, of Tutbury and you can see out across the countryside. So you can get this feel for the, the, the sighting being so, uh, it, it's sort of almost a typical sighting of a, of, a, of a castle in that it's a great defensive position, great visibility and a water source uh, and, and a, the river obviously creates a natural barrier. And so we've got that with Tutbury. Excuse me, I'll just take a drink. And actually Tutbury, until, until really Henry VII, um, it, was, it was well used and um, John of Gaunt lived there for like three years. Um, it came under the Duke of Lancaster by his father and still is indeed under the Duke of Lancaster, Duchy of Lancaster, <laughs> Duchy. Oh goodness. Um, Meg says I've started having to read only historical fiction of what I wouldn't usually read non-fiction-wise. Otherwise, it drives me bonkers. I've been reading Outlander, as it's set after what I usually read. Yeah, that's that's another way to go, isn't it? 
um, read about a period you don't know so much about and then just treat it the same as you hope people do about the periods we do know about and go and look it up. Um, John, good morning over there in New Jersey. I hope you are well. Uh, so yeah, so Tutbury, um, so like I say, so there's been a settlement there for a long, long time. Um, and um, yeah, and so the, the, the castle sort of um, strategic location, it's, it's in the middle of England. So it's, it's a, Mary Queen of Scots there, was held there, sorry, on four different occasions, including a whole year at one point. Um, and part of the reason for that is that it was, it's a long way from anywhere. It's a long way from the sea. It's a long way from Scotland. It's a long way from London. It's about as good as you can get in terms of a, of a location for, for keeping Mary. Um, but also then you can see that it's also a strategic um, point for the Midlands. Because what I thought about when I was reading about the, the history of Tutbury Castle, actually, is it almost demonstrates a switch from monarchs who were interested in the north of the country as well as the south to really Henry VII, um, although he, he, he takes more of an interest in the north and then Henry VIII, and then it sort of drops off. And you can see that with the, with the lack of use uh, and maintenance and interest in Tutbury with its, with its location. Um, it finally came a cropper in the English Civil Wars, like many of our castles, and the walls were slighted because they held out, not for very long actually, but they held out for the royalist cause. Um, Charles I as, as, uh, was actually there, Prince Rupert was there at, at some points. Um, Obviously, we'll come back to talk about Charles I in a, in a short while because we'll, I'll just, well, there's a few bits out of the trial documents that I thought you might be interested to hear. Um, and, um, but before that, it, it, it sustained uh, damage in the Wars of the Roses and then decline. Decline is always the bit that really, declining use is the bit that gets most of the castles because if there's nobody who wants to live there and keep it up, then then it's going to uh, fall into disrepair, a lot of money needing to be spent on it. So, um, but, but if you go to Tutbury, and you should, you really should, and I'll tell you another big reason why you should in a moment. Um, it, you're, you're walking in the footsteps of John of Gaunt, Blanche of Lancaster, uh, Mary Queen of Scots, of course. Um, uh, I think Henry VII visited, I think Henry VIII visited, Elizabeth didn't, although Obviously, she knew about it because it was chosen for Mary, Queen of Scots, and as I say, Charles I and many other. Richard III actually had a lot of um, money spent on it, um, on the gardens, in fact. But I'm not sure if he ever actually went. Um, just checking a text from my son to make sure there wasn't anything urgent. Oh, multitasking. So, Tutbury Castle now is, like I say, uh, it's... It, Leslie Smith looks after the lease and she is fantastic. Her husband is, uh, is also an amazing historian. Um, his name is Gareth Williams and he's written um, lots of historical books. He's, um, he's actually the curator of coins at the British Museum. And I'm going to be interviewing him very soon on the history of money because I'm interested in getting into the history of money and um, how that came about. <laughs> how that came about. Because where's it going, people? Where's it going? So, 
Um, the other big reason, and I may as well tell you here, Catherine's probably going, oh, are you telling them? <laughs> Wait, we were going, we went up, because we are looking at putting on a Tudor fair, a Tudor festival, a big Tudor event, basically. It's going to be the uh, Tudor festival, and it's going to be at the end of June. So if you're in the UK, you definitely want to be coming. And if you're not in the UK, maybe you want to come over and go as well. Uh, so uh, we uh, make sure you are signed up to my newsletter because that is probably the best way to get uh, some uh, to get the information to your email direct without any uh, without having to do much work on your part. It will just fall into your in your inbox. So if you want to sign up to my newsletter so that you get uh, get that information, then on again on Instagram on my bio there's a direct link, or you can visit my website which is BritishHistoryTours.com and one of those annoying pop-ups come up so you can you can sign up there sorry about that i put it on don't think i've ever worked how to take it off but then it does make it very easy to find how to uh, how to how to get it so um so i can't come to the uk well maybe one day i don't if this goes well it will not be the only one i can guarantee so it will all be fun but yes um, there you go because I forgot the book about Tutbury that was all off the top of my head uh, are you up in Scotland um, com reza ama <laughs> I don't know how to, how to uh, say it um, Colleen it will be one day and it will be at Tutbury so that is where it will be um, it's a fantastic venue as well so you ha you do have it, it is mainly in ruin if you look at photographs you're like, it's just ruins it's not all just ruins so there is part of the, um, the 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 private apartments and the great hall um, is still there. Emma, okay. <laughs> her name is in Spanish. Ah, oh, okay, cool. Thank you, Emma. Um, so uh, so you can actually go into the room where Mary would have been. And uh, oh, we're going to do we're going to do lots and lots of really really fun stuff. So sign up to my newsletter if you haven't already, and you will get information as soon as we can share it about that. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. So I'm really looking forward to this year because we're getting back up and going. I'm sorry if you're in a in a country that isn't managing to get <laughs> to get up and going yet, but it will come soon soon. It definitely will. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. I've got the three tours, which are fully booked and on in May, July and September. And it uh, looks like travel restrictions on people coming to this country are going to be severely reduced. And uh, so it's going to be much, much easier to do that. In fact, we already know a few people who've been over recently um, from America, actually, this month. So that's been really lovely to see that people are travelling again. Um, and yes, so starting to put on day events as well there will be talks coming up also so again just just catch up with me and uh, and i'll let you know what's going on um the newsletter is also a great way of doing it right i'm going to uh so we've still got to talk about charles the first's trial i still want to talk to you about the act against multipliers this this act of parliament which basically tried to stop people creating base metals uh gold obviously is the one they were they were worried about and and we need to do the question of the week so this is just for fun this is just for fun and 
last week's question was, and they're all based purposely on my videos, <laughs> on some of my videos that are on YouTube. Um, and last week's was surrounding uh, Elizabeth the first, Elizabeth, I can't speak, Elizabeth the first coronation. And the question was, why did Elizabeth the first stop her coronation procession at Fenchurch? And so you could um, ask about, oh, sorry, you could uh, watch my video and find out the answer. And the answer was simply to listen to a young boy reading a poem. Now, of course, this was, this was reported as a spontaneous act by the new queen, probably was actually planned that way. But uh, still, it went down really well with the crowds and her um, and her people. Um, imagine, so have I missed a, I don't know if I've missed a comment from you, You've got restrictions. Yeah, the restrictions will be, they're quite actually, they're, they're not actually too restrictive at the moment. There's no quarantine required and a lateral flow um, within the first two days of being here at the moment. And apparently we are getting another announcement soon. So it can only go the right way in my opinion. So Lisa, absolutely. To hear a lad read a poem, awesome. Brilliant, yes. Now, so this week's question. Okay, this week's question is also based on a video. The video is called uh, Simon de Montfort, Simon de Montfort and the First English Parliament. So I talk about Simon de Montfort and how he held the First English Parliament. Strange that. Um, the clue was in the title. And the question is, and I'll give you the answer next week, so you can go off and watch the video. Uh, these are all on my YouTube, by the way. The question is, what did Queen Eleanor send to Maud de Montfort to thank her for her support? What did Queen Eleanor send to Maud de Montfort to thank her for her support? Um, oh, imagine this. Well, do you know what? What can we do? Fine, come here then. Come here. Um, right, so that is the question for this week. I'm going to put the uh, shop on. <laughs> on the bottom of YouTube so you can see. John says Elizabeth was great at PR. She certainly was. She had such an, uh, an eye for what the visual would look like how people would interpret things. She really was incredible at it, incredible. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I've actually got a video about the coronation as well. So let me just give you a quick reminder about the competition to win Tracy Borman's um, book, The uh, Private Lives of the Tudors. She has signed it. Hi, Laura, welcome. So Tracy has signed the book. So uh, the competition to win that book is open till the 28th of February. And all you have to do is watch the interview I did with Tracy about her new book, Crown and Scepter. Specifically, we're talking about female power and rule and answer the question um, uh, that's underneath, uh, the, sorry, answer the question posed in the comments below that video. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and that you've liked the video. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> cool. 
I've just let everyone talk about the stuffed badger. I can't remember about the stuffed badger. Oh God. Oh, I'm dry today. Um, other interviews as well that I've got coming up that you might be interested in, because you may have watched the Tracy one already, and thank you if you already have. Um, Heather Darcy, my interview with Heather Darcy about um, Anna, Anna, uh, Anne, <laughs> Duchess of Cleves, Anne of Cleves, um, all her various names. Um, you can uh, uh, get that. That's going to be available at the end of next month. Um, patrons get that earlier, of course. Um, Catherine, I've forgotten the question now. Yeah, me too. Me too. Things have moved on. So, um, so yeah, the patrons, as always, will get um, will get the videos early. Now, also, I'm aware that at the moment I've only put out what patrons are getting until the end of January. We've got the the quarterly event for the top tiers next week, which is all about Catherine of Aragon. Um, so if you are a member of my patron, one, thank you, and two, then if you're in the upper tiers, you will be able to see that next week. Um, oh, John says Tracy's new book doesn't come out in the US until the 22nd of Feb. Oh, can you not get it on Audible either then? Um, and Heather's book on Arno is fantastic. So yes, please um, look out. I will let you know when that that. Uh, that interview is going to go live and I'm also going to be interviewing Gareth Russell soon. Again, if you are a patron, you will be able to submit your own questions and I'm going to be asking Gareth about the downfalls of Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard. So the questions you put to Gareth, um, you can choose to be on topic or maybe not, as long as they're history related. Um, Gareth's written on a plethora of subjects, including the British monarchy, or the English monarchy, actually, Titanic, um, the Romano Romanovs, um, and of course, Catherine Howard. His, his biography of Catherine Howard is the biography to have. So I will be interviewing him very soon as well. So if you are a patron, look out for the post because I'll be asking you to submit your own questions to Gareth if you wish. So that's, um, that's all coming up. Um, okay, now I keep saying that I will talk about the trial of Charles I, because this is the anniversary today of his, uh, of the opening day of his trial. And I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but um, there's a few bits that I thought are quite interesting. Now, I've got this from, um, a, there's a book printed in 1654 um, with an extremely long title, uh, but it's basically the full proceedings of the, uh, of the High Court Justice against King Charles in Westminster on the 20th of January, 1648. Um, and the first bit is quite interesting for a couple of, so this, it starts off by explaining the courtroom before the king is brought in. And there's this Supreme Tribune of Justice sitting and Sergeant Bradshaw is president. You'll notice they're, they're all ranks. Um, of the army on the parliamentarian side with about 70 other people elected to be judges being present and then when the king is brought in to the court his head is covered which I hadn't picked up on anywhere before so I, th there's no more information on that in here than that but that seems to me that 
he he's brought in what with a hood over his over his head or something like that um oh excellent meg meg says amazon.co.uk will ship to the us generally i i'm hoping there's some kind of link that then that the dot co.uk becomes a dot com or something um, that's what I was hoping because I don't have the option to choose, which is a bit of a pain. Sorry, Meg, I was just asking about the Amazon shop. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the child of uh, Charles I. So he's brought into the, the uh, courtroom, which actually is Westminster Hall, which still stands within the House of Parliament, Palace of Westminster. And, um, uh, and he's brought in. So there's already in the room 70 people. He's brought in with his head covered, and like I say, I'm not completely sure what that means, whether that means he comes in with a bag over his head, which is a bit concerning. Uh, and then he is brought in by another 30 officers. So the intention here is very clear. It's to intimidate the king. He is on his own, and there is at least 100 people in the courtroom uh, that are there to make him feel extremely uncomfortable <laughs> and really to say, right, the time, your time is up. We are in charge. You're going to capitulate, etc., etc. Um, and the Solicitor General, a man called um, Cook, uh, announces, I do charge Charles the Stuart here present as guilty of treason and other great defaults. And the charge, the charge is long, the charge is long. But he, it, it basically goes on to say that as King of England, he was trusted with limited power, so very specific, limited power to govern according to the laws of the land and not otherwise. Um, but nevertheless, out of wicked design, he upheld in himself an unlimited and tyrannical power. It then goes on to list um, all of the battles that had happened during the first part of the English Civil Wars and the number of men who died in those battles and, uh, uh, and blame them, basically put Charles as responsible for the deaths of all of those men. So it, it does go on quite a bit. It's, it's quite large. <laughs> so you'll excuse me if I don't read it all. Um, it calls him a tyrant, traitor, murderer, um, an implacable enemy to the Commonwealth of England. Now, what was Charles's response? Well, he doesn't appear to have been that intimidated by the hundred plus people baying for his blood. Um, he immediately, on his response, questions the authority of the court at all. Um, so they basically ask him for his response. Um, what do you answer to your charge? And he says, I would be satisfied by what power I am called hither. It's not long since I was in the Isle of Wight. Um, and he goes on to explain how he was being held in the, on the Isle of Wight, but he was brought back to London for this trial without being told what was going to happen, without even knowing where he was being held on the way, en route. He, um, he didn't, it clearly doesn't appear to have even known where he's being kept. Um, see you later, Emma. Uh, Silsol, welcome from Argentina. We're talking about the 
trial of Charles I because it's the opening day of that, the anniversary of the opening day of the trial, well, opening and closing, I think, uh, of the trial of Charles I um, in uh, 1648. Uh, and he, they, what they effectively do is, is they charge him with treason. They tell him he is a traitor. He's, he's a, a tyrant. And he's, he personally is responsible for every death which has happened during the Civil War battles up to that point. Uh, Michael says, I knew a chap called Reg, whose ancestor was the sergeant of arms who signed Charles I's death warrant. He was always nervous around members of the sealed knot. <laughs> um, yeah, and of course, of course, Charles II, his son, when he was restored, came after all of the signatories of the death warrant of his father, Charles I. Um, imagine this, could he question their authority in reality? And also, could they really charge him legally? Like, uh, did they have that kind of power? Well, uh, Charles doesn't seem to think so. Oh, I'm a vitamin C drink as well. We must do our own thing to keep ourselves healthy. Um, so he, he basically says, you're not entitled to question me on this. Um, I mean, it takes quite a long time to do it. I actually didn't even print off all of what he said. Um, but yeah, so he, he complains about his treatment, the fact that he's been brought from the Isle of Wight. And if you think about it, so they could have kept him on the Isle of Wight. They could have kept him prisoner. They could have deposed him. Um, but that wasn't going to be enough. They wanted to have him executed. And that is, um, that was an unprecedented and very extreme step. Um, you've got to remember here, it's a human being and he's going to have his head cut off. Um, so he doesn't appear to be at all rocked by or intimidated by the number of people there. Um, it makes us telling them they don't have the authority to question him makes him sound like a tyrant. Indeed, maybe not the questioning. Um, it was the fact they were charging him with it. Um, uh, Michael says, didn't, the charge, didn't they charge him for crimes against the people? In other words, he was a traitor. Yeah, exactly. That's how they framed it, um, that he, he was responsible for the, for the death of the people who died in battle. Of, of, and it literally, they, 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 um, they, they uh, listed them and, and exactly the number of people who had, um, who had died at each battle. So they they did they went for it, um, uh, but he does. What does he say here? Um, to bring this public treaty to an end by the public faith in the world, either show me your authority established by the scriptures. Remember, Charles fully believed that in the divine right of kings that he was king by virtue of God Himself. And therefore, he was in the right. Therefore, no, you couldn't question him. No, you couldn't call him the tyrant um, and the traitor. John, uh, poor Charles believed in his own, there you go, in his own PR, the divine right of kings. He didn't read tea leaves very well. No, indeed. Um, uh, Meg says, although I question whether they had the authority to try him and definitely to execute him, I guess it doesn't matter if they did or not as they had him in custody. They had control of the king's person. Indeed. Indeed they did. 
Um, but like I say, they, they could have kept him in prison, they could have deposed him, they could have kept him uh, on the Isle of Wight, but they chose to bring him back to London. I think there was an air of um, legitimacy that had to be, or perhaps they perceived had to be seen. Um, and if you uh, abolished the monarchy, then it couldn't return. Of course it did. It did because <laughs> it wasn't wholly different to the woman and man on the street who was in charge. Surprise, surprise. huh? But yeah, so that's that's really interesting. And if you want to look it up yourself, um, I got this off uh, early English books online. You can go online and find all sorts of old books. And uh, it's called The Full Proceedings of the High Court of Justice Against King Charles in a lot and a lot more words because there's a lot. Of, but I think that's enough to, uh, to find the book. Um, Michael, they could have cited King Saul in the Bible who God created and destroyed. Uh, yeah, well, there's lots of, I think <laughs> you can find whatever you need um, to justify a position. Um, so before I go to our last bit, which was this act of multipliers, which I find amusing and interesting in equal measure, um, because it is an act of parliament. So a law brought in to basically prevent anyone undermining the people in power. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, so I've got another few videos I'm not going to talk about today, but that you might be interested in because the anniversary is uh, around now. These are the ones I put, I put these out last year. So my hair looks very different. Watch them just for that. See, see the, the alteration. Um, Queen Victoria died on the 22nd. So that's, that's, that's interesting. She died on the um, Osborne House in, uh, the, on the Isle of Wight and her death was kept secret for, for um, I can't remember how long. But what was interesting is um, no one alive, I don't think, had been around when she came to the throne because she was 18 just when she came to the throne. And so nobody really knew what to do. <laughs> anyway, so I've done a video about that. You can check that one out. Um, on the 25th of uh, January, so before I see you here again, we've got the anniversary of uh, Henry VIII marrying Anne Boleyn at, uh, uh, at Whitehall. So again, I've got a video about that. I've also got a virtual tour of Whitehall, which I basically walk around the Whitehall area to, to show you where places were, including where the gate had been where Henry and Anne married. Oh, Michael, I've never had a bad hair day. Thank you very much. It does it very different, I think, anyway. Um, so, <laughs> and then also, obviously, there's the one about Elizabeth I's coronation, which you can check out. And obviously, you're going to run and check out Simon de Montfort and the first English Parliament, because you want to know, you do want to know, what Queen Eleanor sent to Maud de Montfort as a thank you. I promise you, you want to know. But maybe another earphones uh, requirement. I'll just give you the warning. Uh, so so it's, it's a fun story. It's just not quite maybe what you expect. Maybe you do. I don't know. So before I move on to the uh, active multipliers, just to let you know that the History After Dark room from last night is available on history.after.dark because, and last week's is as well. Um, last week we were calling BS on myths from history and um, conspiracy theories that have been shown to be false, uh, all sorts of things. Now, one of them 
was the uh, one of them was the um, death of Hen um, Edward II at Barclay. Now, if you have a look on my Instagram after this, you'll see I've put a picture on of the room in which he was supposed to have been murdered. This is this is the man who's the story that that likes to be retold is that he was killed by red hot poker up there. And there's those kind of stories that carry on, but it's not true. It's not true. Um, hello, uh, Noel Rene. Is it Rene? Uh, just found you. I'm so interested. Where do I start with your content? Well, there's a li I've, been, <laughs> I've been about for a little while now. Um, it's by the way, if you are someone who's returning, thank you so much. Your support is gratefully received absolutely and if you are new here welcome um, there's lots of new people subscribing to my channels every day and I'm really grateful I hope you love it here we've got a nice little thing going people who love history um, and it's not just me you know, I'm here doing my stuff but I work uh, with uh, Sarah Morris the Tudor Travel Guide Kat Marchant from Reading the Past and Catherine Brooks, who's not just the Tudor Tracker, and Deb Royal from Tudor Times, bringing you loads of different uh, history uh, live streams each week um, and, uh, and all sorts of stuff. Um, so, yeah, where to start? If you look on my YouTube channel, um, tell you what you could do. Tell you what you could do. You could just sign up to my newsletter because each week in my newsletter, I send out links to videos that are, uh, are around your anniversaries, historical anniversaries. So you can you can get going on, on those. Um, but yeah, my YouTube channel probably and my Instagram feed, they're the ones that I keep the most full. But there's quite a bit. Yeah, there's quite a bit. Yeah, anyway, go through and have a look how my hair's changed. <laughs> I'm not interesting, so sorry. Uh, right, what was, I, what, was, <laughs> what was I saying? So if, yeah, if you have a look on my Instagram, you can see Edward II, um, the room in which he was murdered. Oh yes, you can also see um, you can also see some rather pretty pictures that I took of Tutbury in the sunset when I was there on Tuesday. So have a look at those as well. Um, yeah, imagine it's just been going through from the start. <laughs> I love the dedication. I love it. I love it. You'll probably see as well my transition for like how I hope I've got better at editing. Um, and then I think you'll probably see where I introduced a light. <laughs> an actual light as opposed to just trying to have the sun shining in my face um, and microphones and things like that um so yeah if you uh but sign up to my newsletter and you'll get the links to all sorts of stuff but yeah if you have a look through my instagram you can see some pictures of tutbury that i took the other day you can see the picture of uh, where edward ii was murdered and oh i've also put a reminder out about the competition to win the signed copy uh, of tracy borman's book the private lives of the Tudors. So you can you can have a look at all that. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so History After Dark, come along on Instagram and follow the channel, but you can also then catch up. The podcast is on the way, I promise. I keep promising, um, but I'm doing all the editing and everything, which is fine. I'm just, I'm just taking more than I thought time-wise to do it but that will be soon available. So um, that's going to include, uh, I, I don't know, four or five, five or six maybe episodes from last year. So if you've only just found History After Dark or you want to relive some of our past experiences on History After Dark, you will be able to do that on the podcast. Um, 
there's going to be an explicit warning on it <laughs> because it's a no holds barred look look at uh, at some of our history uh, and uh, yeah we go we go down some wormholes do we not it's fun though very fun um i can't remember where else i was going with that so yeah just make sure you have a look at history after dark tomorrow join me for a visit tudor britain My, myself sarah and deb royal whose tudor times will be together on tudor times profile on instagram doing a live sarah is going to be talking to us about cromwell's houses so i'm really looking forward to that and then we'll be all of us on clubhouse at five o'clock to talk about something not yet decided upon okay the last bit i promised you this act against multipliers which was passed in parliament uh, in january 1404 now this it just makes me giggle really so it was a law that came in under henry the fourth and what it specifically forbid was the practice of trying to turn sorry base metals i said base metal trying to create base metals before you don't need to try and create base metals that's the point trying to turn base metals into precious metals i.e. your silver and gold. Now, um, now, now we know that that's impossible, but obviously then they didn't. That's why there was a law against it. And um, yeah, the idea that somebody could crack, crack the code, crack the um, formulation, the methodology to create gold or silver from base metals, that was a true, true concern. Now, why would it be so, such a concern? Obviously, the people in power, the people who are rich, don't want somebody else getting rich. But it would also undermine the entire country's economy if someone could just create money. Hmm. I'll, I'll let that one linger for a little while. If you could just create money, could undermine economies. Anyway, so, so it was made an actual crime under the law of the land. Now, that's, that's the practice that you would have heard referred to as alchemy, um, which, which now comes under the term, recognise it more as chemistry. Um, but that, that act wasn't repealed till, was it 1689? Ah, so yes, uh, my alchemy was basically illegal and it was illegal till 1689. But by this point, we got a, a much... Um, a growing scientific community, you know, the interest in science is growing and people want to be able to experiment. Now, if it's against the law to experiment because you might come up with gold or you might come up with silver, that is curtailing the freedoms of the scientists to just have a go at stuff, you know, <laughs> have a go at stuff, try stuff, um, work out what works, what, what doesn't, I don't know, whatever they do in chemistry labs in white coats and I don't think they had white coats then. Um, and um, so the, 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 the reason it was repealed was there was a big lobbying effort from the scientific community. Um, one of the most notable uh, people involved in that was Robert Boyle, who you might have heard about if, you've, uh, if you paid attention at school. Did you pay attention at school? Um, so, uh, yeah, Michael, I agree. Um, so... Uh, Anyway, so, yeah, so, yeah, so Robert Boyle is, 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 is part of this uh, lobbying movement to lobby the government to repeal this act against multipliers, which had been passed way back in the early 15th century. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so Meg, yeah, apparently it, it did, it impeded scientific, it didn't stop them. 
Right, so it, it might have meant that it was illegal, but so this is the last bit of this that I, I find quite funny. So Robert Boyle, um, it, it was he was only um, two. He only died, sorry, two years after the act was repealed. But by that time, or by the time of his death, he'd published forty books on chemistry. So the majority of his work must basically have taken place when it's technically against the law. But, I mean, that's just... It, it had become a defunct law, and that was the point, getting it back off um, off the statute. Uh, so, um, there you go. There's a little tidbit for the end. We have been going for nearly an hour. It is four minutes to two. Um, uh, John says he did pay attention, but many of those grey cells are now lost. Yeah, anyone else do that? He's like, I'm sure I knew this. I'm sure I knew this at school. I was listening. No, I haven't got a clue. Maths. I'm like that with maths. I actually love science. I've got A-levels in science, bizarrely. Never did anything with them, obviously. Yeah. So, just a reminder, you can see me again here for Thursday History Chat uh, live uh, at one o'clock London time uh, next week. But in the meantime... I'm not leaving you be. I'm back on Instagram tomorrow at four o'clock, Clubhouse at five o'clock and uh, back also on Monday on Clubhouse at five o'clock. Michael, time flies when you're having fun. Indeed. Well, I'm having fun. I hope you're having fun. And um, I will. So I. Yep. So I will either see you tomorrow uh, on those or maybe next week if uh, if um, if you're around and you can come back. And I remember to, uh, well, if you'd like, go and look at Simon de Montfort and the First English Parliament so that you can answer the question next week, the, which is, so the, sorry, you can give me the answer to this question next week. And the question is, what did Queen Eleanor send to Maud de Montfort as a thank you for her, um, her support? Please, it's a, I think it's a, it's a, a funny in a macabre way. So, Thank you ever so much, everyone. Um, take care. Have a great week. I hopefully will see you before this time next week. But if not, have a great time. Have a great one. And I will see you all really soon. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.